Welcome to Real Truth Real Quick. My name is Rick Smith, and I'm here with my friend Todd Wagner. How you doing? I'm well, man. Thank you. All right. Well, listen, I got I got one that I have personally dealt with. I know a lot of our friends have dealt with this. So you're in a community group. You're in a small group. You got a friend. They're doing something stupid. Maybe it's yourself, and your friends are saying, hey, this, this is not God's best for you. And they go, hey, man, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm never going to do that again. And then next week, they do it again. Next week, they do it again. How do you deal with a friend? that just keeps on sinning. Yeah, you, you, you made a good preference here. We should just state this, right? You're talking about a friend who's professed faith in Christ and- I uh, believe God's word is best for me. Okay, yeah. That person. Because obviously if it's a non-believer, right? I'm never surprised when a sinner sins. I don't expect a sinner to act like somebody who, by the grace of God, has been made a saint, okay? Um, but here, here's what you do with somebody. By the way, I still counsel my lost friend uh, and encourage them that uh, it will go well with them if they follow God's word, understand that they haven't believed that God's word is true and that God is good, and so they don't want to follow him. But we're not talking about that guy. I would evangelize that first guy, share with him the hope I have in Christ. This guy, member of your church, says he loves God, wants to take his word seriously, but is just in this constant loop of sin and kind of one of those, man, did it again guys. Yeah, yeah, okay. what do you do with him? Well, uh, we are called to admonish the unruly. This is 1 Thess 5.14 to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak, and to be patient with all men. Uh, it, it says in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a brother in a spirit of gentleness. First, looking to yourself, lest you be you too be tempted. Okay, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Why does it tell us to first look to ourselves? I think for two reasons. Number one, because uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7 to get the log out of our own eye. What's my part of this problem? And I will tell you that often part of the problem is we've started to enable one another in sin and we haven't really addressed stuff. But that's not your problem here because you're really doing it. I think it tells you to look to yourself first because there's um, one of two possibilities. You can become arrogant, like you don't have issues that you welcome feedback on and that you're looking down on this person because of how they're struggling and so you have a piety about you that's not informed by Christ, a lack of humility, or you can do it in a way that isn't consistent with the way you're exhorted, uh, in a spirit of gentleness, okay? That you wanna do it because you love them. Let everything you do be done in love while you're being strong and admonishing others. So um, here's a few things, Rick. First of all, let's acknowledge Proverbs 19:11. It says, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger. So that's why you look to yourself. I'm not gonna do this out of anger, but out of love. And then it says, and it says, glory to overlook an offense. So your buddy goes, man, you never overlook what I do. What's wrong with you? How come you don't do that? And so I, I've kind of got this, we, we have a, a deal here we put together called the Conflict Field Guide. Um, uh, my friend Ken Sandy wrote an incredible book called Peacemakers where so much of this is pulled from, but, but I, I kind of creatively labeled this process this way. Number one, I said, look, don't sweat the small stuff. Okay, overlook minor offenses. You go, well, that, that begs the question, what's a minor yeah. offense? Okay, so look, a minor offense is anything that you can answer no to, uh, all four of these things, okay? Um, does it dishonor God? No, I can overlook it. Is it damaging my relationship with this person? No, I can overlook it. Is it damaging uh, other people? When the guy does this, nope, I can overlook it. Is it hurting this person's uh, testimony and ability to talk about their faithfulness with Christ? If the answer is no, I can overlook it. Can you give us one example of that? Like, because I would think any minor offense might dishonor God. So can you give us yeah, an example? Yeah, well, okay, well, just if it's just a, uh, 
uh, an area of conscience potentially, or what I would call vanilla and chocolate. I mean, or this guy, it's somewhere where a guy bothers you. It's more of a nuisance than sin. I mean, the question that we're going to have here is he goes on sinning, okay? Sin is never a minor offense. But what I'm saying is we're not just be petty people. Okay, admonishing him because I don't like the way you dress. Yeah. If your dress is still modest and whatnot. So, uh, so what you want to do is not sweat the small stuff, okay? But you don't want to overlook the big stuff. Sin is big stuff. It dishonors God. It damages relationships. It hurts other people. It affects that guy's witness and faithfulness for Christ. So you got to go to that person gently and you point it out. This is Matthew 18, 15, 16, and 17 now, Okay. And so it says you go to that person alone in private. You don't tell a bunch of people about it. You go to that one person. But let's say you did it, and that person then still continues down that cycle. Well, okay, you don't stop when it gets sticky. Okay, you spread it out. You go, and it says you take two or three with you. But I think even the way you set this up, Rick, is you said, well, what if we've all done that? I've now expanded it to my entire community group. We all agree it's sin, and the guy keeps on doing it. Well, then it, then there's a, a third thing that you want to say and, and that is that you want to go and tell it to a wider group and just say, listen, we believe that our friend here is not being wise in the way that they are making no provision for their flesh because they acknowledge what they're doing is wrong, but they won't order their life in any way that keeps them from falling back into this trap, which is destructive. Okay? And, um, and you want to really uh, say if they refuse to take wise steps, because this is what the Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13. It says, he who confesses, and forsakes his sin will find compassion. And so if there's no commitment to forsaking, okay, if it's pornography, if it's a, 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 an emotional or a, a physical inappropriate relationship with another person, um, if it's a person that is uh, consistently being deceitful on uh, some business practice and they kind of keep doing it, uh, if it's a person who keeps blowing their, their top and their anger and they won't take any steps to be discipled, put themselves in any kind of uh, discipline, which would lead to greater godliness. There's no effort. We're, we're admonished eventually to, to bring about some separation, to treat them like, a, like what they are, a person who refuses to abide with Christ, refuses to yield to the Spirit, and then to say, we love you, okay? But you're, you're, you're habitually committed to this practice. And if you're not, then you need to take clear and specific steps to forsake those things. And because you're not willing to do that, Okay, and all you keep doing is saying it's wrong, but you keep doing it. You got to get to the very end of Matthew 18, where it says basically you got to start to treat them like a non-believer, and you don't let them um, continually act like, "Hey, all I got to do is tell you I did it, and I can keep doing it." That's not consistent with Scripture. Good stuff. All right. Well, hey, thanks for checking us out. We'll see you next week on another episode of Real Truth, real quick. <laughs>